If you have your Bibles, turn to Second Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, chapter seven. Is that everything beautiful? All right. Second Chronicles, chapter seven, verse number fourteen. Second Chronicles, chapter seven, verse number fourteen. Very familiar passage of scripture. If you've been around church world very long, you've heard this verse. And this tonight, tomorrow especially, uh, if you're going to be on social media, you'll see this verse uh, on social media a lot tomorrow. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. God's talking to His people. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven will forgive their sin and do what? Heal their land. Heal their land. Tomorrow, Thursday, the Christian community is once again called together to pray for our nation. It's called the National Day of Prayer. Tomorrow is the National Day of Prayer. The observance of a day of fasting and prayer was brought to all of the colonists uh, by the Continental Congress in 1775. This National Day of Prayer is not something that's just started in the last 20 or 30 years. The United States at various times has recognized a day of fasting and prayer for our nation since 1775. Congress issued a proclamation recommending a day of public humiliation, fasting, and prayer be observed by the English colonies on Thursday, July the 20th, 1775, and to bless our rightful sovereign, which is God, and King George III. The text of that proclamation, written by John Witherspoon and John Hancock, one of the founding fathers, instructed the colonists to pray for, the, for a resumption of the just rights and privileges of the colonies in civil and religious matters. A proclamation to this end was sent to every town in the young Americas, the colonies. John Adams wrote that the popular response was gratifying that the special day was more widely observed than the practice of going to church on Sunday. After this success, Congress determined to call for a day of fasting and prayer each spring and a day of thanksgiving and praise each fall. In his role as commander-in-chief of the Continental Army, General George Washington acknowledged a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer proclaimed by the Continental Congress to be held on Thursday, May the 6th, 1779. This was to enable his soldiers to observe the day. Washington ordered a one-day cessation of recreation and unnecessary labor. In March 1780, Congress announced a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer to be held on Wednesday, April 26, 1780. 
the calling or the practice of calling for national days of fasting and prayer was abandoned in the United States from 1784 until 1789, even though Thanksgiving days were observed each fall. On October the 3rd, 1789, President Washington called for a national day of prayer and thanksgiving to be observed on Thursday, November the 26th, 1789. President Adams continued the practice of proclaiming national days of prayer in the spring and fall, but President Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, did not as he considered prayer to be a matter for personal rather than state involvement. After James Madison, none of the next 11 presidents issued prayer proclamation. Go to the next screen, bud. In January through February of 1952, um, President Harry S. Truman, signed a bill proclaiming a national day of prayer must be declared by each subsequent president at an appropriate date of his choice. Now let me read that again. On April the 17th, 19... Let's see, wait a minute. I went the wrong... That's not what was up there, was it? Okay, I jumped ahead of myself. All right. In January through February 1952, during the Korean War, the desirability of a united national prayer was stated by Reverend Billy Graham, who said, What a thrilling, glorious thing it would be to see the leaders of our country today kneeling before Almighty God in prayer. What a thrill would sweep this country. What renewed hope and courage would grip the Americans at this hour of prayer. Apparel. Get this now. Representative Percy Priest. How many have ever heard of the Percy Priest Lake? Representative Percy Priest from Tennessee observed that Graham had issued a challenge for a national day of prayer. Members of the House and Senate introduced a joint resolution for an annual national day of prayer on which the people of the United States may turn to God in prayer and meditation at churches, in groups, and as individuals. Now, what I read earlier. On April 17th, 1952, President Harry S. Truman signed a bill proclaiming a national day of prayer must be declared by each subsequent president at an appropriate date of his choice. Now, notice what it says there. Go back to that. On April 17th, 1952, President Harry S. Truman signed a bill proclaiming a national day of prayer must be declared by each subsequent president an appropriate date of his choice. In 1982 a conservative evangelical Christian organization called the National Prayer Committee was formed to coordinate and implement a fixed annual day of prayer for the purpose of organizing evangelical Christian prayer events with local, state, and federal government entities. In his 1983 declaration, Ronald Reagan said, From General Washington's struggle at Valley Forge to the present, 
This nation has fervently sought and received divine guidance as it pursued the course of history. This occasion provides our nation with an opportunity to further recognize the source of our blessings and to seek His help for the challenges we face today and in the future. Thank God for Ronald Reagan. In 1988, the law was amended so that the National Day of Prayer would be held on the first Thursday of May, which is tomorrow. Two stated intentions of the National Day of Prayer were that it would be a day when adherents of all great religions could unite in prayer and that it may be one day it may one day bring renewed respect for God to all the peoples of the nation. Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush each hosted special National Day of Prayer events at the White House. Bill Clinton did not hold any such events during his time of office. He was too busy dealing with people not his age. George W. Bush, George W. Bush made his first presidential act be the announcement of a national day of prayer. And he held events at the White House in each year of his presidency. Barack Obama, do you have that one up there? Do you have that one? Barack Obama did not hold any public events at the White House. President Donald Trump and First Lady Melania Trump attended church services in observation of a special National Day of Prayer which Trump previously declared in support of the victims of Hurricane Harvey dwelling in the state of Texas to uplift one another and assist those serving from the consequences of this terrible storm. You remember what Harry Truman signed a bill, a law, that says every president must set aside a day for a national day of prayer. And since then, we've had two presidents who have not followed the law. All right, tonight, let's spend our brief time praying for our nation. Tomorrow is the national day of prayer. So let's get a head start. And let's spend a brief time tonight praying for our nation. Regardless of your political persuasion, regardless of whether you're Republican or Democrat, it matters not. What we all can agree on is that our country is in need of prayer. Our nation is in dire need of prayer. Second Chronicles seven fourteen, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Notice what that says again. If my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. It's very obvious from this verse of Scripture that God places the responsibility of the healing of the nation upon his people. It's not the responsibility of the Republicans. It's not the responsibility of the Democrats. 
It's not the responsibility of the independents. It's not the responsibility of Wall Street. It's not the responsibility of our school system. It's not the responsibility of our universities or our bastions of commerce or our industrial might. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. Why is it so important for us to pray for our nation? Why is it so important that we pray and intercede for the United States of America? Why? Because Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. Righteousness, right standing with God, will cause a nation to rise. Right standing with God, God says, will cause a nation to go forward. Right standing with God will cause a nation to be a place where children can be raised in safety and love and harmony. In prosperity. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. Today, unfortunately, righteousness, godly living, uh, Christian values are made fun of by the, the national media. And you see where we are as a nation. The moral, the corruptness that we are living in and our children have to live in every day. And yet the Bible says righteousness will raise a nation up. What else? Proverbs 29.2. Turn over to Proverbs 29.2. Proverbs 29.2 says this. When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. It doesn't say anything about when the Republicans rule, the people rejoice, or when the Democrats rule, the people rejoice. It says when the righteous rule, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people groan. Turn over to Psalm 33, 12. Psalm 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I, um, I've noticed the, the stirring that's taking place where people are starting to put back on the courthouses. And they're starting to put back in, in places where it's easy uh, to be seen. In God we trust. In God we trust. And a lot of people don't like that. But what are they coming from? They're coming from this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We're not, nobody's trying to force religion down anybody's throat. We just want to be a blessed nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So tonight for a few minutes we're going to pray. I need, uh, where is the... Is my ushers uh, got some of those? You have those? All right. Do we have some ready to pass out? I need your help here, fellas. Let's pass them out real quickly. Come on ahead and let's pass them out. Do we have a... Everybody already have them? You got them when they came in? Okay, good. 
Good. If you didn't get one of these hands out, hold up your hand. If you didn't get one of these handouts, hold up your hand. All right? All right. Thank you so much. I didn't know we'd passed them out when they came through the door. Thank you so very much. <clears throat> Turn real quickly to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Let me show you our, our, our foundational prayer verse here. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 14. This is what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John said to the Christians. He says this, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. So we're going to approach God tonight in confidence. Why? Not in fear, not in dread, not in doubt, not in unbelief. We're going to approach God in confidence. What is the confidence, John? This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. How many of you know His Word is His will? So that's why it's so important for you and I to pray the Word. To pray the Word. Amanda and I have learned over the years, if we don't have Scripture to pray, we don't pray. We just pray Word. We pray the Word of God. We pray the Word of God. We speak the Word of God back to God. We repeat the Word of God back to Him. We put Him in remembrance of what He has said and what He has promised. Because that's what the Word says. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, and His will is His Word. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Verse 15. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. Okay? I hear this all the time. It's not biblical, but I hear it all the time. Sometimes God answers yes. Sometimes God answers no. Sometimes God answers, wait a while. How many have ever heard that? That's not biblical. You can't find that in the Scripture nowhere. You can't find that. That's a man-made tradition. I'm going to tell you, the Bible says if you ask anything according to His will, it's always yes. It's always yes. I don't get no's from God. I have never gotten a no from God. Because I make sure I ask in line with His will. Okay? If we ask anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. And if He hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired of Him. Now, there's been some times that my prayers have not been answered, not because God gave me a no, but I didn't meet the qualifications. I didn't meet the qualifications. So then it's not that God doesn't want to answer my prayer, and it's not that God doesn't want to give it to me. It's that I have not met the qualifications to receive my answer in prayer. Okay? So, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. I see you're excited about that. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. Let's start by praying tonight. And how do we start praying? Notice what he says. Who do we pray for first? I urge then, first of all, everybody say first of all. Paul's talking to Timothy under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's telling young Timothy to teach the church that the first thing you need to start praying for, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, verse 2, for kings and for all those in authority. Why? 
that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and honesty. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So tonight, we're going to pray for a few moments for our elected officials. Well, I don't like them, you say. It doesn't make any difference if you like them or not. You pray for them. It doesn't say pray for them if the one you voted for got elected. It doesn't say pray for if the one, the party you like got elected. It says to pray for everybody. Every week I pray for President Trump, even though I think he's a narcissistic uh, idiot at times. Every week I prayed for Barack Obama, even though I didn't agree with many of the things that he stood for. Every week I pray for our governor, even though he has a football team that hadn't won a game in years, the Cleveland Browns. I pray that they win three this year. Every week I find something to pray for, all right? I pray for all of them because it says that. Go back to to 1 Timothy again. Go back to what it says there. Notice what he says. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intersections, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. Why do we pray for them? Whether we voted for them or not. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So what do I pray, Father? What do I pray, Pastor? What do I pray for them? How do I pray for them? Remember what we said, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So I've given you here 14 prayer points to pray for those who are in authority. And every one of these prayer requests are backed up with Scripture. Okay? So I want you to take this home... And when your prayer devotional time, you can look up these scriptures if you want to and write them down on the back of this card. We've left it blank. So you could write the verses down on the back of this card on what the verses. And you just pray the word. We're praying for the next few moments. We're going to pray that our elected officials, our president and our senators and our congressmen and our governors and our mayors, that they'll be God-fearing. And recognize that they are accountable to God for each decision and act. We're going to pray that they be granted wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We're going to pray that if they're unsaved, they'll be drawn to a saving encounter with Christ. If they're born again, they'll be strengthened, encouraged in their faith. We're going to pray that they recognize their own inadequacy and pray and seek the will of God. We're going to pray that they'll be convicted of sin transgression, and iniquity. We're going to pray that they will respect authority and practice accountability. Join with me as we pray that they be given godly counsel and God-fearing advisors, that they'll be honest and faithful to their spouses and children. How many elected officials are we seeing dropping off and resigning every single day because they're not faithful to their families? Let's pray that they'll be faithful to their families. That they'll be honest in financial, tax, and ethical matters. That they'll be generous and have compassionate hearts for the poor and for the needy. That they desire honesty, integrity, and loyalty. That they have courage to resist manipulation, 
pressure and the fear of man, that they endeavor to restore the sanctity of life, families, divine order, and morality in our nation, <clears throat> and that they desire humility and meekness and willing and be willing to serve and cooperate. <clears throat> so stand with me, would you, real quickly? And let's take, let's take uh, uh, four, three or four minutes right here. And I want you to, and you can just read down through here and just, you do it, say, how do you do it, Pastor? Well, Father, I just pray that you'll give the president wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I pray, Father, that, uh, that you would cause our governor to always be faithful to his family and to his marriage and to his home. I pray, Father, that our senators would uh, desire honesty, integrity. That's how you pray. Just pray the word. Pray these prayer requests. Everybody ready to pray right now for our nation, for those who are in authority? All right, you say, well, can I, do I, can I pray out loud? I pray quiet. You pray however you feel good praying. If you want to stand on your head, I don't care how you pray. All right? Sometimes praying for these guys, I want to uh, tear off my clothes and, and, and repent in sackcloth and ashes. In, sometimes when I hear some of the things these guys do. So let's just take a few moments and let's pray. Would you join me right now? Father, in the name of...
in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We pray for our elected officials. We pray for them. We pray for our nation. We pray for our nation. Prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks. Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for these men and women, Republicans and Democrats, who have, are willing to put their lives in public spectacle to lead and to serve. We thank you for them. You said not only prayers and intercessions, but also thanksgiving. So I want to thank you for them. I want to thank you for them. I ask you to bless them. I ask you to protect them. I ask you to protect them. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to protect them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So you take this home with you, would you? Take this home. And we're going to pray for two other things real quickly before we leave. Number two, we're going to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Never have a prayer meeting without paying, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Why? Why you do that? Because God's Word says so. Psalm 122, verse 6 and 7 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May their peace, may there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. Notice what he says. He says, if you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you who love Jerusalem, you yourself, your nation will be secure. You yourself, your nation will be secure. Now we see an attack against our nation because we do stand for Jerusalem. We see evil, an evil religion is trying to destroy us because we stand with Israel. But that's the promise of God says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. So right now, I want you to join me and let's just take a minute and let's pray for Jerusalem, for peace, for protection, and for safety. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for Jerusalem right now. You said heaven is your throne, earth is your footstool, and Jerusalem is the city of the great king. So Father, right now, we pray for Jerusalem. We pray for the nation of Israel. We pray for peace. We pray that you'd protect them. It's six million people surrounded by 60 million people who hate them. And we ask in the name of Jesus for supernatural protection. Supernatural defense in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you, Father, that you would turn the Jews' hearts back to Jehovah God. That their hearts will be turned to Jesus Christ. That the... the, the the, the bandages, the, the things that are over their eyes, that are keeping them in darkness, that'll be wiped away so they'll come to see Jesus is the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. I pray that the Prince of Peace would be revealed to the people of God. I ask that, Father. We pray for Jerusalem. We pray for Israel. We pray for the salvation of the Jewish nation. Father, we wouldn't even be saved if it wasn't for the Jews. We've been grafted in. We wouldn't even be saved. We wouldn't even have a Bible if it wasn't for the Jews. We owe our salvation to them. Jesus was a Jew. All the apostles were Jews. The early church was Jews. So, Father, we do not act haughty or have a bad spirit toward the Jewish people. We pray for them in Jesus' name. 
that they'll come to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now we're going to pray for one more before we go. I want us to, number three, pray for God to send workers into the harvest field. God would send workers into the harvest field. Our city is literally growing every month. People are coming here from all over the world. Many of them have never heard the name of Jesus. Many of them know nothing about Jesus. They don't know the Word of God. And we can't continue doing work at church as normal. We need people in the harvest field. We need people in our factories, people in our schools. We need people in our places of business to share Jesus, to be Jesus to these people. Remember, if you ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Well, look what it says in Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus went about throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Verse 36. When he saw the crowds, when he saw all the people moving into Murfreesboro and Rutherford County, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, then he said to Family Worship Center, people who know him, the harvest is plenteous in Murfreesboro, but the workers are few. Ask, ask. Pray the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send workers into his harvest field. God asked us to ask him. God tells us to ask him for him to send laborers into his harvest field. So let's pray. Let's pray that God would send people, Christians, that Christians would get off their seat in church and get involved in witnessing to people at work, at the store, in their classes, in their neighborhood, across the street for them. They'll just start witnessing the people about Jesus Christ. That every one of us would have a passion to tell somebody about the love of Jesus that we run into. Let's ask the Lord to send laborers. Father, in the name of Jesus, they tell us since the last census that this Murfreesboro has grown by 20,000 people. Just this recent census has shown that Murfreesboro has grown by 20,000 people. 20,000 people. 20,000 people. And the Lord saw the crowds and He was moved with compassion. He saw those 20,000 people move with compassion because they were sheep scattered with no shepherd. They didn't have a church. They didn't have spiritual leadership in their life. And you said, ask the Lord to send laborers into the harvest. To reach them. So Father, we asked you, first of all, to send us. We asked you to send us. We've got people in this church that come and sit, and that's all they do. They sit. And there's a time to sit, but there's a time to serve. So Father, I'm asking you to stir our hearts to get involved in the harvest in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Send laborers, send people into our schools, into our factories, into our neighborhoods, to our families, 
to our children, to our grandchildren. Send labors into their path and let them see Jesus in our friends. Let them see Jesus in our lives. In Jesus' name we ask for labors to be sent. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, shondo barrea kitelehushi, he quarete, he lacate, u kamadrete, ilumashakai. You said, He that prayeth in an unknown tongue edifies himself. That's what you said. He that prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. <laughs> you said, but ye praying in the Holy Ghost, stirring up yourself, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's what you said. Building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You said, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. You said, I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. You said, I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We pray for our nation tonight. And Lord, tomorrow on the National Day of Prayer, we set ourselves in agreement with thousands of other Christians. And we pause and pray for the United States of America, for our president, for our Congress, for our senators, for everyone in the administration, for our governors, for our mayors, for our council members, for our county commissioners. We pray for our nation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for our Supreme Court. Oh, Father, for godly wisdom, you'll save some of those Supreme Court members. Save them. Convict them of their sin. Lord, much learning hath made some of them mad, and we ask you, Father, that their eyes would be open to truth in Jesus' name. Their eyes would be open to truth in Jesus' name. We pray for our nation in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Be sure to take these, this home with you. God bless. We love you. Have a great week.